Welcome back to Series 3 of Mud Between Your Toes, Conversations with Pete Wood. In this series, I'm interviewing people from around the world, from all walks of life, and all with stories to share. So sit back and enjoy. Hello, last week I interviewed Tim Sullivan, president of the London Kings Cross Steelers, the world's first gay inclusive rugby club. So it seems fitting that we continue with the LGBTQ sports theme this week with two guests, Lisa Lamb and Dennis Phillipsy, co-chairs for the Gay Games 22. For the first time in the history of the games, they'll be hosted in Asia, here in Hong Kong in November, 2022. So Lisa Lam and Dennis Phillipsy, welcome to Conversations with Pete Wood. Thank you, thank you, Pete. Thank you, Peter, for inviting us. Well, look, it's a real honor to have you on my show to share this exciting news about the GG22. So tell me, what is the Gay Games and who can participate? Sure. Uh, the Gay Games is actually a nine-day multi-sports, arts and culture festival. It's going to take place in November 2022. And it's all together 36 sports and then an entire nine-day of arts and culture festival. Everyone and anyone over the age of 18 can participate, regardless of your age, gender, sexual orientation and abilities. Wow, so, so just to be clear, the games are open to everyone, not just gay people. Oh yeah, absolutely. You don't have to be gay to participate. You know, everyone is welcome. Even though the uh, gay games is organized primarily by the LGBTQ community, but our purpose is to unite everyone from diverse backgrounds through get art, sports and culture and just some fun. So our tagline is unity and diversity. Everyone is welcome. That's fantastic. Uh, th tell me about the history of the games. Okay, Peter. So there are two answers to this question. Um, first, I can talk about the Gay Games global events. And then second, Ali, I'm going to talk about the Gay Games in Hong Kong. So in 1982, there was an um, Olympic um, um, gay man, an athlete, Dr. Tom Waddell. And he was out openly gay. And, and he participated at the Olympics in 1968 in Mexico in track and field. And, and the Olympics had a great impact on him. Walking into the stadium, being applauded by thousands of people was such an amazing experience. He really wanted everyone that they could have the opportunity to have that same experience, to feel like an Olympian and being applauded for. So he started with the idea to organize the first gay games in 1982 and invited people from all around the world to come together. Um, initially, he called it the Gay Olympics, but 20 days before the opening ceremony, uh, the Olympic Committee um, sued him for using the word Olympic. Mm. So last minute, it had to be changed into the Gay Games. Um, and interesting story, as the first Gay Games at the opening ceremony, Tina Turner was the guest of star uh, performing there. Um, unfortunately, as you probably saw in the news, Tina Turner is retired her career, uh, so she won't be able to come to, to Hong Kong. Well, we will get to uh, the opening and closing ceremony later, but I mean, look, we've come through one of the most challenging years in our lifetime. So how are you coping with COVID-19? I mean, are you confident the games will take place? 
Yeah, it, uh, this is a tough one, you know, but of course our first priority is to look after the health and safety of all participants, spectators and volunteers. I guess we are keeping our fingers crossed. I mean, luckily the Gay Games is not going to take place until November 2022. So we still have some ways away. And by that time, you know, hopefully the situation will be under better controlled, you know, with the vaccine rollout. Um, we are working with Control Risk, which is a global risk consultancy to manage the health and safety responses and plans. Uh, we actually have set up a contingency plan with predefined triggers, which we regularly monitor so that we can adjust our plans and remain agile. We also observe, you know, what's going on about the other large scale events, you know, how do they manage COVID and, and try to learn and develop our best practices. Fantastic. I mean, um, I really want to find out about the Hong Kong mm -hmm. Gay Games, uh, or as you're calling it, GG22. Can you share us uh, with us the bidding process? By all accounts, it was a pretty fierce competition. It's a long story. So let me start at the beginning. Yes. I've, I've now in Hong Kong for 11 years. And in 2014, I broke up with my boyfriend after three years. Um, and I did lots of... Uh, thrill running and hiking and, and he also uh, was in between jobs uh, and then I thought okay where I'm going to find a new boyfriend um, and I didn't want to go into the social media websites and go to bars so then I had the idea to organize a hike uh, and I posted it on social media say gay hike and 12 people showed up and then I thought hey this is a great idea uh, so I started a Facebook group called Out in HK um, and pre-COVID, we used to organize every week two, three events for the LGBT community and their friends. Yeah, hiking, swimming, badminton, uh, lots of running, uh, camping, beach cleanups. And the group has now more than 6,700 members. Uh, and at some events, we have sometimes 60 members participating at the event. Uh, and it's really great because what you can see is people from the wider community not only the local community, but also non-local community really coming together uh, at, at an event, they're building friendships, somebody falls, somebody gets cramps. I thought that this, this is really a great way to, to build lifelong friendships and, and, and to change the, the, the community. So then about, I think in a couple of six years ago, I remembered the Gay Games from Amsterdam in 1998 when I was living there. Uh, and that was really a hot summer uh, in August and the whole city was gay. Uh, and then I thought, wow, this is really a great inclusive event. I did some research and I found that the gay games was never held in Asia. So then I reached out to the Federation of Gay Games, which is the governing body, yeah? a bit like the IOC. Uh, and then I said, hey, how can we bring the gay games for the first time to Asia? Uh, so we started a bidding process um, against 17 other cities, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Salt Lake City, Austin, um, and then in 2000, uh, and, uh, yeah, so we won the, the, the bidding process. And the bidding process included creating a bid book proposal uh, of, of 300 pages, uh, which really describes what we're gonna do, our plans, our financial plan, our marketing plan. Um, and, and during the bidding process, we also organized several uh, events to fundraise for the community. Yeah, one of those events, for example, in Key Club, uh, where we had a concert, uh, where we really wanted to get the community to tell about the gay games is happening and, and also the raising the funds as part of the bidding process. Then in 2017, 
uh, we got shortlisted against Washington DC and Guadalajara in Mexico. Um, and this means that five inspectors were coming to Hong Kong for four days to visit all the different venues, about 40 different venues, which we have scheduled for the gay games. Uh, and the, the, the inspectors were very impressed with the high quality of venues in Hong Kong, because every time they asked how far is it to walk to the MTR station, and we said five minutes, because Hong Kong is quite a compact, uh, dense city, right? Uh, it, it's lots of green, but everything is quite close to each other. Uh, we also organized a community reception at PMQ uh, on a Wednesday night. Uh, we expecting 300 people, but at that night, 600 people showed up, including 60 companies with their roll-up banner to say, we are promoting the gay games. So that was really, really great experience. Um, and then we had to go to, to uh, Paris in October uh, 2017 for the final presentations. So we had three days of presentations. Uh, we had the Q&A session that we got all kinds of questions asked. And then the members of the Federation of Gay Games were voting. Um, and then the deputy mayor of, of Paris did the announcement that we won. Well, I mean, it's incredible that you won considering Washington DC and Guadalajara have huge gay communities. Um, so when does register when, when does registration start? You say, I mean, you uh, say it's open to everyone. So is GG22 an inter-country event or is it an individual event? That's a very good question. So the Olympic Games, people need to qualify on a national level and people are representing the countries. The Gay Games is based on three principles participation, inclusion, and personal best. It's all about you as a participant. And yes, you are part of a country or a sport club, but you're not representing that, sport, that, that, that country. And you also don't need to pre-qualify. In June this year, we will open participant registration and people can go to our website. They can select the sport or the arts and culture event, and they can register and pay and then they um, 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 participating at the gay games. So people can just go themselves. They don't need to pre-qualify. Uh, and of course we have some individual sports um, like badminton, tennis, swimming. Um, but we also have several team sports like for example, rugby, volleyball and basketball. And um, for a team sport, you can either sign up with your team or sign up as an individual. And then we group you together as part of a team. Fantastic. I mean, the GG22 uses the theme unity and diversity. Uh, while Hong Kong has a thriving gay community, Hong Kong is a conservative community. How was the reaction from the government and the general public? I guess, I guess what I'm asking is how important are events such as these in the eradication of intolerance and homophobia? Okay, so many questions. For firstly, yeah. Gay Games Hong Kong, we are a non-political organization. We are a registered charity organization and we have now 140 passionate volunteers working on organizing this event. Uh, and that's very important because everybody is really believing in the purpose of the Gay Games, which uh, Lisa mentioned earlier. Um, one of the reasons why Gay Games won against Washington DC and Guadalajara is that in Hong Kong or in Asia, there are not many LGBT sports organizations. Yeah, everything is very invisible. Um, by having gay games for the first time in Asia, it will be an opportunity uh, to create those sports clubs 
and, and LGBT sports clubs, but also an opportunity to include participants who could not go to the previous 10 gay games in the past. Because the gay games in the past were mostly held in North America, Europe, and one time in Sydney. And having now first time in Asia, will be really a great opportunity for those participants to be involved in the gay games. And we believe that the gay games will have impact on three different levels. Firstly, on the economic perspective, it's about 1 billion Hong Kong dollar or 128 million US dollar economic impact to the local economy. Yeah, it's the equivalent of 300,000 hotel room nights and it will also be millions of pictures on, on social media. Yeah, the global world has the last two years quite changed. So we really believe that an event like the Gay Games will be a great opportunity to bring people together in a sports event because everybody's equal in sport. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from. And so we really believe in unity and diversity as, as the, um, the way, as a moment, especially after COVID, where the world is really looking forward to big sports events to be involved in, in a positive um, event. Gosh, you know, Dennis, can you just remind us what sort of revenue you're talking about again? I mean, the reason why I ask, uh, because the Olympic Games um, is often a, a profit loss event. Um, in fact, it often garners tremendous opposition because of the sheer cost of hosting the event. Um, I may be wrong, but I recall Athens as a city actually went broke after their Olympic Games. Uh, so remind us again what, what revenue you hope to generate? So for the Olympic Games, and every host city is building new infrastructure. Uh, Hong Kong has amazing infrastructure already, and as part of the Gay Games, we don't need to bid, build any new infrastructure. Hong Kong has an amazing airport, has good infrastructure. Hong Kong has great sport facilities. Partly, those, those, those uh, sport facilities are government-owned, and some are private or, uh, venues or schools and universities. And for us, we need about 40 different venues, and partially those venues will be government venues, and partly will be private venues. So our budget is completely different looking than for example the Olympic Games where they really need to build new infrastructure. Our budget of course looks far more different because we don't need to build new infrastructure, we'll be using existing infrastructure. And the estimated economic impact is 1 billion Hong Kong dollar or 128 million US dollar, which will go into food beverages, travel, accommodation, um, and people just having a good time in Hong Kong. Well, it really does show the power of the pink pound. Um, now, the games consist of, as you said, 36 sports. Um, aside from traditional sports, a few are, well, I mean, let's be honest, quite unusual. Cheerleading, ballroom dancing, 10-pin bowling, and dragon boating, to name but four. Yes, yeah, so every gay games has a fixed list of sports which will be held every time. For example, diving, swimming, tennis, badminton, because these are very popular sports. Um, but every host city has the opportunity to include local sports. For example, in Paris, they included petanque or jeu de boule. Uh, for Hong Kong, we include local sports like dragon boat racing, but also trail running because Hong Kong has beautiful outdoor trails. 
uh, cheerleading is a really great sport um, because it's, it's, it's really nice to, to, to see different groups together. Uh, and ballroom dancing, it's, it's really great. This will be an event for five days. Um, and I've been to Paris for uh, the gay games and it's really an amazing event because the participants are really grouping together for five days from all around the world. Uh, and it's a great opportunity to, 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 to connect people together. And there's a nice story to tell. At the Gay Games in Paris, um, there was an, a couple, uh, one person who was both from the Philippines, but both, one, one of them was living in Hong Kong and, and they participated at uh, dance sports in, in Paris and they won a gold medal. And they are so proud and so amazing. And afterwards, last year, they went to um, Britain's Scots Talent to perform. Uh, they didn't go to the finals, but they really became world, world famous now. So you really see that performing at the Gay Games will, will rollercoaster them in, 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 into um, becoming real world stars. Oh, that's a fantastic story. You know, but on a more serious note, I think, uh, the traditional Olympic Games has a very clear line drawn in the sand between male and female events. How will it work with GG22, especially uh, with gender neutral or trans people? Does everyone just compete together? Uh, yeah, no, actually in, in all the 36 sports, the participants will need to choose their own identified gender. Now, obviously we are mindful you know, of uh, the, the gender fluidity and you know, be sensitive to that. So in certain sports, you know, like powerlifting you know, or like the contact sports, uh, we do have uh, the Miss, Mr. and MX, you know, the, the three types of genders, but then the participant will have to choose to compete you know, within that uh, identified gender groups. So these uh, categories we developed actually uh, in conjunction with the International LGBTQ Sports Association and it's in line with the current practices. Brilliant. Um, the GG22 isn't just about sport. You've already said that. Mm -hmm. um, you have these artistic events. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, As a culture is a very important element here. And because we get so many people, 12,000 participants, 75,000 spectators from 100 countries here, and the arts and culture element is really a great opportunity to showcase Hong Kong uh, and its unique uh, diverse culture. Um, in 1982 was also, unfortunately, the start of the HIV and AIDS epidemic. And many members of our LGBTQ plus community passed away, unfortunately. And at that time, um, people started with the AIDS Memorial Quilt, which is a piece of fabric, which is often created by families and friends of people who passed away. And as part of the Gay Games, um, there will be a memorial ceremony and also several quilts uh, will be displayed during the Gay Games. And this is an element of every Gay Games in the past. We're also celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Gay Games with a photo exhibition and a pin collection. Um, and in the Festival Village, which is the heart of the festival, where for nine days you will have a stage where performances uh, will be taking place from participants taking place in dance, dance um, singing, uh, orchestra, choir and band. So the Festival Village is really the place where we have many performances all around the world uh, happening there. And then at different locations, for example, in Taekwun, you have different art exhibitions. 
including spectrosynthesis, which is an, 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 an uh, LGBT arts exhibition, which will take place in Taekwun. You mentioned uh, uh, the festival village. Where will that be? I suspect that'll be a fun place to hang out. That will be a very good place to hang out. Uh, we have a couple of options uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, and in Q2, over the next couple of months, we'll be able to confirm where we will, uh, the, the festival village will be taking place. It definitely will be the, the place for all the participants who have done their sports during daytime. Um, and afterwards, they go to the festival village, meet new friends, meet their existing friends, and we will create special corners uh, for women, for transgender communities, and sponsor booths. Uh, so this is really, it's a combination of wine and dine, uh, clock and flap festival and the iris festival all together for nine days oh it sounds it sounds the place to be now very exciting tell me about the plans for the opening and closing ceremonies what can we expect sure um the opening ceremony will be held in the hong kong stadium where the rugby sevens would be and so basically all the participants will march into the stadium through the tunnel, just like an Olympian with like thousands and thousands of the spectators watching them. And then there'll be some short speeches and performances from international and local performers. Um, the closing ceremony is mainly a, is a close event, but it's mainly to thank all the volunteers and participants for the entire amazing week, you know, which we had on the gay games. So remind us of the dates again. Sure. So uh, we will open our pre-registration end of March, March 31st. And then we'll also be announcing our financial inclusion scholarship program in a, uh, April and May. June is when we will actually have our formal registration open. The Gay Games itself is gonna be starting on November 12th, 2022 with the closing ceremony on one week later on the 19th of November, 2022. Brilliant. And finally, where can we find out more about the GG22? Well, go visit our website on gg2022.com and or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That's the same handle. Hashtag GGHK. Brilliant. Lisa Lam and Dennis Philipsy, we are out of time, but thank you so much for chatting to me on Conversations with Peter Wood. Thanks a lot, Peter, for inviting us. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for your support. And good luck next year. Well, that's all for now. But if you enjoyed listening to that podcast, you might also find my book, Mud Between Your Toes, faintly amusing. You can buy the book on Amazon. You can find both series one and two of my podcasts on a plethora of platforms from direct links on my Mud Between Your Toes Facebook page to apps such as Podbean, Apple Music, iTunes Store, Spotify Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, CastBox, TuneIn Radio, and Google Podcasts. So don't miss out on my next episode. Goodbye.